What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another podcast of Ballsy. We've got someone with us today who's actually in studio and who's actually in our intro. Not only is he in the introduction, I I was just just listening carefully. He's the first one of us who actually speaks after Brad Schaaf. That is correct. You make it sound like it was really a revelation. Well, no, but he's Have we said David Moore's name yet? No. David David Moore. Uh, Happy to be here. Which... Which one of you is Evan Grant? <laughs> Are you disappointed that Evan's not here? That's an insult to no, both of us. No, that's why I came. That, yeah. That's an insult to both of us. Evan Grant, we should say, uh, is no, in the we? Holy Land touring Israel on a uh, eating frenzy. No matter where he goes. If <laughs> eating his way through Europe. Israel doesn't through, really factor into that. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh, here's what we had for breakfast. Here's what we had for lunch. Here's what we had for dinner. Here we are in northern Israel, southern, it doesn't matter. You know, he's talking about where he's eating all the way. And, and David, we're so glad to have you here with us today. Uh, you're going to talk to us about the Cowboys. You're going to tell us who the Cowboys are taking with a fourth pick. It's what everybody wants to know. Who's it going to be? Well, did, did, I think we ought to tease this a little bit more for about a few more months. I know who they're going to take. You do. Unless David knows who they're going to take. He's not going to tell us, though. <laughs> wow. But, uh, it's, wow. It's, that's it's a premature disclosure. You don't want to do that now. You okay, want to build right. interest. Let's make, you're going to have several mock drafts. What will we talk about for the next three months if <laughs> we don't true. do, if we do it right sad? now? Here we are. It, it, uh, the, the playoffs are going on. The NFL playoffs are going on. There's the wild card week, weekend They're is not going over. on here, pal. And, he, and here, what, what are we talking about here? Isn't it sad? That started in the Buffalo game, I think, in week 16. I think, yeah. well, for some about. of us, for, for, <laughs> Even for, for the savvier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could, be. that could be. So, uh, let's say, first of all, do we think we have a an obvious number one pick? Is Joey Bosa going to be the first pick of the draft? That's the other thing. I don't know that there's an obvious number one pick yet. Uh, people will pinpoint a few, but... Different teams put a premium on different positions and are in a position where they need a certain player, and, and if those positions are close enough on their value board, they'll obviously go with the one where, where they want uh, or they have a greater need. So he's going to be in the mix. Uh, the two quarterbacks are going to be in the mix. Jared uh, Goff and Paxton Lynch. Yeah, you know, a running back, that's a little high for a running back, but you have a special one, the guy from Ohio State. Uh, I think that's going to get discussion. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, uh, you know, Defensive ends primarily, uh, cornerbacks are up there, but I, I we think we see it, some for Jaquan, Jaquan Treadwell of, of Ole Miss and, too. and receiver. Yeah, he's Wide a guy receiver. who's a, a top ten talent. Certainly, right. uh, what you're looking at. Uh, it really is too early. I know people can just identify just on sheer talent alone. You go this guy, but but it's so close in that area when you talk talk about these plateaus of guys, and you have maybe six, seven, eight on that first plateau. Uh, I think it's going to be reordered here quite a bit now that you get into the – you'll have the Senior Bowl later this month, and you'll have the Combine, then you'll have the individual workouts, then you'll have the individual and, visits. And, what, and what, what coaching staff will be coaching at the Senior Bowl? That would be the Dallas Cowboys and why is be that? one of them. And why is that? Because for the first time in 25 years, they've been asked back. Or, or no, it's actually 50 years, I believe, yes, since they've been it's, asked back. It's, it's first time Landry. in 50 years they'll be yeah. in the uh, uh, Senior Bowl coaching because – the worst record in the NFC. Wow. How about that? that Actually, they tied with every other team that had a record this bad. They fired their coaching staff. <laughs> 
So this was the only coaching staff intact that was allowed to that was able to go. I, I think a, a point you make there about the that that top plateau of talent. You know, in every draft, the the scouts will say there are really six you know, great players in this draft. There are eight great players. There are four great Fair. players. There's always something in that, yeah, anywhere from like a four to, to eight. The, the, the rule of thumb there is you go back to the years of the Dallas when the Dallas Mavericks drafted. The Mavericks had the fourth pick in the draft. <laughs> there were three great there players. Were three three players. Great players. Right. The Mavericks right. had the sixth pick. There were five ah, that's correct. But let, that's, that's what you go to. Those were Rick Sun's plateaus, by <laughs> yeah, the way, right. former general manager. Yeah. So let, let's say if uh, they, they've got the, the, the fourth pick, uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that, that there are four great players out there, right? And and so sure. the, the point is, as we said, let's say Tennessee Titans had the first pick. They're not taking a quarterback. No. They're not taking a so they could trade the pick. They could trade the pick. So that's how they could, could, could screw up everything. I believe they will not trade the pick, even though as, as bad as they are, because they're going to feel like we got a chance to get a great player here, whoever that is. If they think it's Joey Bosa, which I believe Brian Broaddus, one of our friends, has, good, yeah. has, has said that – he, the problem with, with Bosa is that he looks at him more as a left defensive end, meaning not the great pass rusher, more of a guy who's a combo, makes a, he's a nice pass rusher, but, but really is a guy who plays a run well, got a, you know, got a high motor, he does all the things you want him to do, but he's not that unbelievably great. He's not a J.J. Watt, in other words. Well, and, and that's interesting. Now, now, J.J. Watt was what, the eighth pick, yes. I believe? Um, After Tyron Smith. But, but to me, I— I understand that, and the premium position is still the right defensive end, the pass rushing position. But I'll t- let's go back six, seven years ago, uh, before Indomitian Sue, before Dontari Poe, before all, before Nick Fairley, before these uh, game-changing defensive tackles came in and started getting double-digit sacks from the interior. Right. It was, well, you have to have a defensive end. You're not going to get sacks from the right. defensive tackle. Now you have J.J. Watt in there. It's like, well, yeah, you can get tackles anyway. So I, I think you're going to see the same thing at left defensive end. You can say that. And the difference is, you know, if you're a pure pass rusher, you're talking about burst and maybe not as good in the run game. So you're going to get right defensive end. Well, now you're saying, Okay, Bolsa's a better all-around player. He can play the run. They move, but he you can, can still move guys around. Passer, and you can You're move guys around. You're not anchored in a position. Yeah. Would, would you, in that case, would you move DeMarcus? If you, if, if, let's say he was the number four pick. You know, let's say the Cowboys took him, which I wouldn't have any problem with that. If he fell to them at four. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's unlikely, but yeah. 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 So they, they take him at four. They put him at left defensive end. They, could they move DeMarcus Lawrence to the right defensive end then and then make Randy Gregory your, your, your rotator there? Sure, sure. Uh, th- or, or maybe you decide that, you know what, um, that that Demarcus Lawrence has shown he's he's pretty good at setting the edge against the run. He's not as explosive with that first step as Bolsa. So let's go ahead and put Bolsa over the hey, right. Aren't side. you leaving out another defensive end on this team? I, uh, are you talking about Greg Hardy? Yes, I am. Yes, I am leaving him. Are, 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 I'm the conversation. That was purposeful. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, let, me, let me ask somebody who knows. David, would you, dis- <laughs> what, what? <laughs> would you would you would you dismiss that that it, the fact that he'll be back, the idea that he'd be back? I don't dismiss it. I think it's unlikely that he'll be back. I, I think they're still going to have that discussion. I think it's going to be uh, much like Hardy's career is going to be at times a contentious discussion about whether or not he should come back, because I believe his price point is going to be such that. People who are saying, well, I'm not really sure that we want him back. If his price point goes down low enough, then he comes back into the conversation. Yeah, I think now, that's which the whole other problem. People, which is an, because other people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Why does that even factor into this discussion? Is, is, he, is he good? Yeah. Would, what votes does Jeremy, Jeremy Mincy have in this? 
Well, he is also a free agent, and he yeah. is voting to bring him back <laughs> rather than, again, Jeremy Mincy's voice is he had no sacks versus a guy who had six sacks. Jeremy Mincy was always a transition player for this defensive line. That's why he held out last year in camp to get guaranteed money. And did. Because, and did, because he knew there was a very good chance he would not be part of this going forward. So I, there is validity in my mind to what Jeremy Mincy said. I don't think that is going to factor in whether or not Jeremy Mincy comes back. So, yeah, I don't think so either. Or what Greg Hardy comes back. Yeah. I, the, the Cowboys knew all this. What, what about a quarterback? Um, will Johnny Manziel be here next uh, season? Will RG3 be here next season? Will the Cowboys... Yeah. What's the state of the quarterbacks? Well, I I think it's more likely that RG3 would be here next year than than Johnny Manziel for some reasons we've discussed on previous podcasts. But but if you go back, RG3, uh, go back to three years ago when the Cowboys lost the division to Washington. Uh, You know, Griffin, who was hurt, still came up with some big plays and, and won that game. And Jerry Jones, if you remember after that year, Jerry Jones looked at that, had in his mind, we're going to have to go against this dynamic quarterback and this team for the next five to six years. What are we going to have to do offensively? We have to become more creative offensively. The charge that offseason was going back to the reincarnation of we've got to be more Romo-friendly. You've got to be more creative on offense. So you're saying that ruined the Cowboys. Well, it did, and you came up with a compromise (laughs) choice because you couldn't – Jason Garrett and and Jerry Jones couldn't agree on how to approach it, so the compromise was let's have Bill Callahan call plays. And and we saw that that didn't work. But but Jerry saw what Mike Shanahan was doing with RG3 and and fusing the West Coast offense with a more traditional offense with what Washington was at the time, and that, that mutation worked for that one season. Now, it didn't work beyond that, but... In Jerry's mind, he's, I think he still sees the, the great promise in RG3. And unlike Johnny Manziel, he has shown he can do it at the NFL level. Now, it was fleeting, but he showed he could do it. So I would argue that if you're going to take a chance on one of the two, you definitely take it on RG3, not Johnny Manziel. Who, 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 and he's closer to fitting this system than what Manziel Who's the better make. locker room presence? Who's, who's the better teammate? Well, now this is this is up for debate too. I guess after what you saw in Washington this past year, and uh, you know, RG three cleaning out his locker, declined to talk, but took down all of the uh, motivational messages and put up his own message about people allowing their ego to overtake things. And and uh, yeah, I don't think that's you know, I, I don't think either one of them is a good you know. I, I think you don't I, like either one of them. I, I don't think you know. I, I think RG three. Uh, I think he's a good guy, basically. But there were all, even when he was at Baylor, there were things that he said uh, did along the way that kind of gave you the idea that uh, that he was number one. And and, and so I, I have a problem with that. Here's the question I would ask: well, What about RG three? A few years ago, after they beat Dallas and kept him out of the playoffs, he went up to Tony Romo and told him to like keep his head in there. He was a good quarterback, right. not to worry about. Well, it. about what he's don't he's, worry about what people are saying about you. When he said he was a top tier quarterback in the NFL, yeah. you know, comparing himself to people like you know Peyton Manning, you know, that that's but, uh, but, there, you there's know, a but sense that's with that, both you, of you these look guys. At that as a positive too. Yeah, can't you? Well, you can say that's you, why he's a confident inspired, guy and spot. You know. The way things you, have you turned out, say, I got a long ways to go. It's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah it I know, ludicrous. but but then young. you factor in the sense of entitlement, and you've always been the best guy, and now you have to work your way back up. And do does does either player have the mentality 
to say, okay, I have to strip my game down and redo it and work my way back up to get this opportunity? Or has it been you're a Heisman Trophy winner, you stepped in as a day one starter in RG3's case. Do you resent that? Do you resent being put in that position? Now, you can probably handle it a little bit better if you're dropped into another team, but how long are you going to handle it better? And that's the question. And to me, the other question with RG3 is, okay, uh, Stephen Jones, the, the executive vice president, has said that he wants to come out of this offseason with a veteran quarterback and a, a developmental player, a, a quarterback they can develop who's going to come out of the draft. Which is the best plan they've had ever. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so now the, the question plan. becomes – are you comfortable enough with where RG3 is in his career and his understanding of the system that you would be fine with him as your veteran backup but behind how, Tony how, Romo? How could you be comfortable with Tony Romo as your quarterback in that he's shown that he's, he's damaged good? Well, but that's why, to me, you can't have RG3. If, if he's your veteran quarterback, you gotta you got to— Plan, but, but you for, you got to plan for Romo to get hurt. Oh, you bet. You got to plan to five, four to five games. Yeah. So that's why I said in print last week that that's why they should sign Matt Hasselbeck, who I don't think is going to come back in Indianapolis. He's going to be what forty-one years old next yeah. year. Uh, but he played great. They were sure five and win. three in his uh, system. Very smart guy. When he was when he came in, he was five and three. Sounds like sounds player. like what people used to say about Matt Castle. Yeah, well, I, I think until he got here, yeah. Well, I, I think that Matt, I think Matt Castle's. Uh, you can't see this, but Matt Castle's. Uh, what are you doing? Going this you're, way. You're, you're going this way. Going <laughs> down. Tell everybody. What he's going doing. down. Matt Hasselbeck showed last year that he's still capable of winning. Still won some games, and so with uh, a team that wasn't that good. No, absolutely not. Not a good team. So I think to me that's a perfect situation. That's what you mean by a veteran quarterback. A veteran quarterback who's won. Was it a coaching issue though? Could would would Hasselbeck have come here, and would they have let him do what they let him do? In Indianapolis? Well, that, to Nobody. me, the issue you had with Castle was that you brought him in after the offseason and after training camp, and you dropped him in in week two of the regular season. Week three in the regular season, he comes in. Uh, no matter how smart you are, being behind the curve to that extent. And, and it's interesting. I think you saw it. I, I thought he was better when he first came in. Yeah, he was. He was. And toward the end. And it's one of those things you're actually better – the less you know, because then you're just going off instincts. Story and of my life. Reads. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. I, I do think this. I do think that they have, and I, I think that they made it so clear to them. You know, in the, in the Giants game, uh, he, he throws a pick six. He yeah. threw some, but he also threw some unbelievably great passes yeah. downfield. The Devin Street touchdown throw was a great throw, and he didn't come close to doing that by the end of the year. By the by the time his time was up, he couldn't complete a, a ten yard slant. To somebody, the passes do not look good. Oh my not gosh! Not target at all. Terrible, terrible. So I, I believe that to me that the plan to have a veteran guy to come in and and then plus not only that to have all of all of training camp and all of your you know OTAs and everything else to go through so he can be ready to go, uh, but also to plan on the fact that Tony Romo is probably not going to be healthy that entire time, and also to figure out what can we do to make this more friendly to all the quarterbacks instead of just one of them. Well, and that's Stephen Jones said it, and this is interesting because because last week, uh, Tony Romo asked him specifically that question. I said, you know, a lot of people now are talking about this offense being too Romo centric that it doesn't allow other quarterbacks to succeed. Do you buy into that argument? Is there any validity to it whatsoever? And after saying, not to take it personally, but that was a rather silly question, David. <laughs> he went on to say that. 
No. But don't you always feel better? Don't you always feel better when hey, you're asking a question and somebody speaks specifically? To you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but he gave a great answer. He he went on for about fifty seconds after that and really talked about the offense. And he said, "Look, this off ninety five percent of offensive coaches do the same thing. Uh, they're you're, they require their players to do the same thing." This system we're running now is going to be in place long after I'm gone, and people are going to have success in it. It comes down to understanding the system and executing it. Now, my issue would be it comes down to understanding the system. And if you don't, you know, you can have a very simple system, but it's very detailed from the aspect of Tony Romo has such an intricate knowledge of it that he can go through his reads very quickly. He can... He can audible and say, you know what, this play isn't going to work that they sent in, but this play gets us to the same place, and it's in our scheme, so I'm going to call this. I don't think Matt Castle had that ability because he just wasn't here long enough. I don't think Brandon Whedon had that capability. So I think you're losing that from the offense. And Stephen Jones last week said, look, I know my father's coined this phrase, Romo-friendly. He said, Jerry, Jason, and myself, have had this conversation about whether or not this offense has become too Romo-friendly, for lack of a better phrase, and it's a conversation we're going to continue into the offseason, and it's something we have to resolve before we even start talking about players to plug into the system. That so is, they're going to – they're going the, the first step of this, before they get to actual player personnel assessments – now, they'll, they'll still assess who they have in place right now, but while that is going on, they are also discussing – offensively, are we putting our backup quarterbacks in the best position to succeed? You know, since since Jason Garrett has been here as an offensive coordinator and head coach that covers nine years now, there have been nine different backup quarterbacks during that span. Seven of them have played. The combined record of those seven is 7-20. Seven and 20. Really good. And, and, and I was flabbergasted because, again, we've talked about this before. Everyone will lay this at the feet of Jerry, and whatever blame you want to lay at, Jer- lay at Lair- Jerry's feet, uh, that's fine, in- including my inability to articulate yeah. and, and actually say a sentence. But um, to me, this is a Jason Garrett issue. This guy was a backup quarterback in this league for 12 years, started nine games over a 12-year span, which basically defines what a backup quarterback is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His inability to identify a veteran for the sake of continuity and a younger player to develop while a veteran is in place, in my mind, all falls on Jason Garrett. It really does. I, you know, I think that's an interesting point. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it's a chicken or the egg. What, you know, who, who's getting who's supplying the talent and all of that? And I, and I, I agree with you. I, I think to me, this is what separates the great coaches from the good coaches. The great coaches are the guys who look at all the possibilities. What happens if this goes wrong? What happens if this goes wrong? And I think what uh, what coaches who aren't as good do is that they just assume things. You know, yeah, yeah, we think this is important, but when they're just giving it lip service. They're not. And I think 
from what I my limited exposure to Jason and when I and when he says, you know, we don't want to develop a quarterback for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Jerry talking. I don't know if that's Jason talking, you know, but I, we know that that's been their philosophy before, you know. Uh, and so that's why they take a Stephen McGee out of Texas A&M and think they're going to make Stephen McGee into an NFL quarterback. Yeah. You know, and, and that kind of thing to me is just crazy. You know, uh, nothing against Stephen McGee is a great kid. But <laughs> no, but, nothing against him. You just said he can't play. Nothing against him. Well, it's, not like get... it's not like he didn't want to be a great well, he's not quarterback in the league right now. Well, I want to be a great quarterback. Well, but he did. He, you know, he's just he's incapable of being that. <laughs> you know, and, and that's and that's my problem with. I think Jason feels like a little bit like Jerry. I think it's the same thing with the running back position. When we talk, about, this is a this is a matter of, to me of judging talent. When you think that Joseph Randall is going to be the answer. That, that DeMarco Murray, you went from DeMarco Murray, which a guy who clearly Jason loved, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to come back, right? Yeah. And then just, more than any single player last year helped form the identity of what that team that's was. That's what he said, absolutely. And I, and I, you know what? I think I agree with him about yeah. all of that. To think that, that Joseph Randall is the, okay, I'm all right with Joseph Randall being that. Even when Derek McFadden came in and even with his history, you know, to me, the, the, the situation was if you're going to have a committee anyway, play the guy. You know, play McFadden, put him out there and let him run. When he ran in the preseason, I saw more of DeMarco Murray when I saw him run than I saw Joseph Randall. So, to me, I have a little bit of a problem with, with Jason's ability to make these kind of calls sometimes. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't know his football. I know he knows his football. But, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is that I think sometimes he's looking at it like a little bit like Jerry. You're not looking at it enough like what can happen if this goes wrong. You know, I don't think, he's, I don't think he has enough of that in him. I think all all coaches have strengths and weaknesses in how they approach it, and, and sometimes their greatest strength can be their greatest weakness. I think Jason Garrett's insistence and demand on preparation, on discipline, on doing things the right way, on this is how we do it time and time again, I think all of that is very good. But I think it also displays that he's a very methodical, linear thinker. And this goes to not just putting the team together, like you're saying, but adjustments within a game. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear when something's not working. I don't want to hear five, six, seven games into a season. If I'm a player, just do it better. But, mm-hmm. but David, you just brought up discipline and 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 and, and then we then we hear your reporting and I think what went on in, in in the locker room with Hardy. Yeah. And the fact so that he was late to meetings. Constantly. Late to you know and. and I, I, I'm not buying that. I, I, the, the, you either have to be 100% in or hundred, or you're not in at all. So how does that happen? That happens because Greg Hardy was brought in for a the team they thought they were going to be, not the team they became. Now, what I don't understand about the Greg Hardy issue was uh, why he continued to get so many snaps late in the season. Uh, why weren't some of those going to— Why wasn't Randy, Randy Gregory? Gregory right. that, yeah. Now— they will say that because during, you know, that you earn your playing time in practice. And yes, he was late to meetings, but he practiced harder than anyone else and deserved those snaps. So, but, but still, you look at a system and, and, and if you're one of the other players, you're going, well, but there's still a hypocrisy to this system. You know, uh, I get, you know, I get hammered more when I'm late to a meeting than Greg. I have consequences. Greg Hardy does not. Now, you can come back and say, well, but he's been to the Pro Bowl. He's playing harder than you in practice. But it still creates an issue when a team is losing that it doesn't Well, you, you know, you don't come down to the office enough, but that's what happens down here. Kevin Kevin <laughs> is, 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 is 
Oh, you know, Kevin Sherrington can do anything he Texas Sports Writer of the Year for yeah, 2015, yeah, yeah. by the way. Yes, he, he, nice. he can do nice. whatever he wants down here. I'm surprised here. you didn't do a segment on that. No, no well, we thought about th- it. We're, we're doing well, but, one of you thought about it. But yeah, yeah Kevin thought about it. <laughs> but but you know, I'm and I'm I can't I I'm under I'm under the thumb. I, I resent Kevin. He does. It's natural. Me. It has for 30 years. Many but, do. But the, but the point the point is is that uh, it'd be one thing if he had 15 sacks. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Because that's Jimmy Johnson too. You sure. know, for all the tough oh. talk from Jimmy yeah, Johnson, the asthma field and all this. Yeah, he, he didn't it, tell any good play. Charles you know, Haley didn't have an asthma. You know, that's the thing. Leon Lett was scared to death after after that mistake in the Thanksgiving Day game. He was going to be released because how Jimmy treated other players, not recognizing that. Well, I'm not one of those other players that that's tr- right. Jimmy treats that way. That's absolutely. And so, Jimmy actually had to go over to his house to reassure him. No, I'm not going to cut you. So that's 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 the point. You know what? I, and I don't have a big issue with that. And every team does that. Absolutely. So, so there is a double standard but, but Jason, with greatness. But Jason preaches that. It, that that's his, that's his holy grail. That's but, but that, that, that but that, that but the point is, is that that you if you're, you're trying a, to help him become a better person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could be a great player, if you're a great player, then I'm going I'm going to give you more ground. I'm going to do that with anybody in any business. Maybe if, Ethan if, Couch. If Ethan if Ethan Couch players, can catch a football, I tell you what. Other players recognize that and accept it. Yes, they do. But when you're losing, it takes them off more. Absolutely. If you're winning, they accept it and they go, "Yeah, that's that's just part of the double standard." You know, I know. I I used to get some of that. Yeah, I, I miss those days. But then when suddenly you're four and twelve, and the guy isn't getting sacks, has one and a half sacks over the final six games, you're going, "Well, why is he getting well, that treatment?" How, how, let now? me ask you this: I, I've heard defenders, the Hardy. The Hardy crew, the Hardy, the Hardy, the Hardy boys. Yeah, they, they'll say like, but his presence made Lawrence a better player. You know, he was taking the double teams and, and everything. Like that was that true. I no. did not see it to that great of effect as others have maintained. Okay, uh, because you know they only had I think they finished with three more sacks as a team than they did last season. Now, they, they that, weren't on the me, field for as many snaps, so their percentage went up a little bit more than the three over the course of the season. But it, but it wasn't uh, a dramatic increase, and certainly not to the level they expected. Um, this gets tough, and this is where you really have to analyze the film and, and, and have a, an expertise for it. because That's I, why we have you here. Because, you know, should Tyrone Crawford have gotten some more sacks because of of his presence. And how, how much does the, the shoulder problem bother him this year? Uh, Tyron Crawford? Yeah. It bothered the, the rotator cuff. He got that early in the season. Uh, that is a, a rotator cuff and, and making that swim move or whatever for a defensive tackle when you're in, when you're in traffic anyways is a difficult thing to do. I, I think it impacted him. Were they disappointed in him anyway? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even with that, he, he played hurt and he's to be commended and he always played hard. But here's the other thing. Playing hard just isn't enough, no. and and you hear and and again, I think this is laudable. Everyone's going well. Hand it to Jason Garrett. This team was still playing hard at the end. That should be the baseline requirement yes. well, but of any the, team. That's the only anywhere. good thing that happened. So so yeah. you have to. Start. I liked I liked your answer when he asked you about Tyre, and you gave a definitive yes. Let me ask you about the the, the three top rookies. Oh, Lyle okay. Collins. Did he have a good season? Yes. Erratic. Or no? But yes, okay. Uh, Byron Jones, yes, tailed and, off at the end. But I would say, actually, will argue exceeded what they thought he could do in different positions. He's he's going to be a safety, isn't he? Yes. And yeah. Randy Gregory, no, no. And why? Deeply disappointing. Is this the Randy Gregory story? Is this because of you know everybody heard about the marijuana issues at Nebraska? But was there was also a concern about his mental state? 
Is Was this season a product of that? I think this season, by and large, was a product of a speed rusher who does not yet have the strength to match up physically in the NFL. A speed rusher had a high ankle sprain in the first week of the regular season. And so suddenly, now his lack of strength becomes even more of an issue. And with a high ankle sprain, you're not getting the burst. The burst is the last thing to come back. So I think it was very late in the season before he actually was able to to show anything. Now, it's interesting because while he didn't get a sack, if you look at him over these final four or five weeks of the regular season, he consistently put as much or more pressure on the quarterback. I believe he was credited with more quarterback hurries than anyone other than Demarcus Lawrence over the last five games. So he was actually starting to get there and get close and have an impact. But I think it was really more the the injury. Uh, and then he just didn't have – you knew the strength was going to be an issue. I, I, I think the one thing about Randy Gregory oh, okay, okay, and defensive okay. ends uh, uh, is that what we say, and we saw from Demarcus Lawrence, the, the big improvement from his rookie year to his second year. Huge leap, right? They are anticipating that with Randy Gregory. Yes, they are. And so the, to me, that's, that's why they're not bringing back Greg Hardy. Because of Jerry's optimism and the fact that he's thinking, that I got two young guys who don't cost me anything compared to, to Greg Hardy, and, uh, and, I, and I got them both on the come. I, we're set at defensive end for the next five years. That's the way Jerry's going to think. Whether that's true or not. Well, I think he's a little – I think he knows that's a little premature. He he thinks Greg Hardy can do it. A lot of people out there believe Randy Greg Gregory. Hardy can do it. Uh, Randy, Randy, Randy Gregory, Gregory, excuse me. Yeah. believe Randy Gregory can do it. But they haven't seen enough yet to say he definitely will. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, again, think back to Demarcus Lawrence, too. We're saying what he was at the end of the season. What were we saying about Demarcus Lawrence at the start of this season? Right. right. You're saying, oh, this guy didn't make the jump we thought he was going to make. You know, yeah. this so guy isn't the, the player we thought right. he was you know, going to be. I think we've been a little hard on the Cowboys uh, the first <laughs> in the, the first thirty minutes. We've got to get r- running. We got to get going. People can only listen. Have other so things much to do. Us. I want David. Give us something to be optimistic. Give, give yes. us something to be optimistic about for the uh, co- upcoming twenty sixteen season. We'll have another podcast in a week or so, right? Yes, we will. Oh, but with the Cowboys, let's leave people on, with a happy thought. Give us a happy Cowboy thought. A happy thought. I guarantee you right now at this moment, the Cowboys will be the favorite to win the NFC East going into next season. <laughs> that is a happy but And that's because they're the only team, well, one of only two teams that will have the same head coach. Same head coach. Uh, who are you going to pick in this division? What team – has better talent all the way through than Dallas. And now they're going to add, supposedly. Now you have to assume that you, this obviously assumes the health of Romo and, and Des Bryant and, and who you're going to add with the fourth pick. I mean, they're picking much higher than everyone else in the division. They have money to spend in free agency. It's not only, and as I pointed you're out making before. making me feel good. I'm happy. Go. It's, it's not only the first round pick. It's every round after that. It's a premium pick. Being at the round. top of each of those rounds after. Re- remember, go back a few years ago, we were talking about DeMarcus Lawrence. When they got DeMarcus Lawrence, what did they have to do? They had to trade They up. had to give up a third-round pick to move into the top of the second round because they knew that plateau of defensive well, end talent but, was going to go. Can't they, now they don't have to do well, that. Well, no, but they could still go, they could give up that high second and something to move up in the first as well. They can. Now, oh, there are salary crazy. cap implications with that, but they can certainly do that. I think you're going to see that more in the later rounds. And don't forget, they're going to get some compensatory picks for losing DeMarco Murray, for losing some of these other guys. They're going to load up, and they're going all the way to Super Bowl. That's what you're saying, David? 
I'm saying they're going to go all the way to be the division favorite where in is, July. Where is, where is Super Bowl? <laughs> Let, so, so listeners will know and can make plans. Where is Super Bowl 51? Does anybody know? I don't know. I believe it's back in Houston, isn't it? Is it? Is, is it? There'd be a short trip. Could a lot be. of Cowboy fans could go down there. It's a Cowboy-friendly city. Oh, yeah, they it love the Cowboy Cowboys in Houston. Oh, well, that Cowboys, a Cowboys a lot more in Houston there. than the people in Houston. Yeah, uh, Dallas or of Houston. Dallas, yeah. like Houston. Yes, that's right. All right, let's, let's turn to the Texas Sports Writer of the Year of 2015 and let him take us out of here. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. For David that's Moore? That, that was, <laughs> was for really David that's, Moore. That's the best you've got. <laughs> that's it. That's, oh yeah, he's, he's just, for David Moore, for Who Kevin Sherrington. I also invite everybody to listen to some of our other podcasts this week. Oh, because this one wasn't that good. No, no, no. no. But, but yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to listen to any podcast, don't podcast. listen to this one. I have don't listen to the one we just did. Well, yeah. they've already listened to this. The podcast oh. handbook says we should promote the other two podcasts we did this week. We had Richard Justice on. The yeah, M- I've heard about that the all MLB, leading up to MLB. this show. MLB.com Richard guru, Justice this. Richard Justice that. Who sits at the right hand of Bud Selig, who knows everything <laughs> that's going on. You, If you listen to that, I want people to count the number of names and managers and general managers he name drops. He does. In, in the 30 minutes. Dropper. I talked to this guy. I talked to that guy. It's, it's unbelievable, but it's really good stuff. And then Barry and I talking about college football. And then we had a great podcast without a guest. Yeah, it was really good. We, we talked to college football. And I don't, I don't want to you to take this. that wrong, David. But we had a great <laughs> podcast without a guest. The other two were great. Yeah. I suggest you listen to them. No, yeah. just listen to you've listened to this. You've endured this. Now go oh, oh, enjoy. Yeah. You've endured now, this. Now go enjoy Again. Now, now go enjoy yourself. I, I've seen some of the message you've sent your daughter. This is why Barry this is didn't like go in, This is why Barry didn't go into public relations. Oh my gosh. Guys, thanks David. I, oh, I also no. want to commend David for dressing up for the podcast. He did. That's really nice. <laughs> he in, he's, he's the first person to come into this studio wearing a sport jacket. Never on GoPro. In, in, in history. Well, he knew that. He's, su- he's such a polished, he is. Savvy. savvy guy. It's okay. And David, go. you also, uh, we can also hear you wear on the radio. You can hear me on 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Ticket, on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8 with Robert Wolanski on Intentional grounding and the music has run out. We've we've got, we, <laughs> we have gone way. Past. I had I had to hear the music. Thanks, Tommy. Cue up the music, Tommy, and let's get out of here.